Hey friends, Rachel here. I want to tell you a couple of things before we start this week's episode. First, I want to let you know that we recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago. So it was before the coronavirus became a global pandemic and many of us were quarantined or social distanced in our homes. So you're not going to actually hear any mention of that very current event in any of our remaining episodes. But we just want to let you know that that's not because we're not walking this right along with you. And second, in these really weird and uncertain times, it feels worth pointing out that there are things that are absolutely certain. And one of those things is that God is in control and that he is specifically kind. We had no way of knowing that the world would be where it is in suffering the way that it is way back when we planned this Jeremiah reading plan. But you guys, God knew, and he gave us these words to read this week. Tens of thousands of us around the world are reading the book of Jeremiah, and we're being reminded of what it was like for God's people in exile. And we're being reminded of how faithful and in control God was through all of that. These are the reminders that we need this week, and we never could have planned it this way. So want to let you know those two things, and I'm so excited for you to enjoy this really special episode. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. You guys, I cannot believe our collective good fortune. We are joined today by none other than Sally Lloyd-Jones herself, the author of the Jesus Storybook Bible and many other incredible books for children. This woman sings with her words. You are going to love this episode. So since the three of us are gathered here, I feel like we should write a song first. Oh, I know. Because that's what we do. Wouldn't that be fun? Except I mean, we've got no we musicians. We don't have a musician that's in a the room among us. Oh, see, so this would be a very different experience <laughs> if we tried that right now. This would be a very dull song. Yes. Because that's a thing that we do. We've Isn't added that, that to our resume. That's how we all got, I love that we got to know each other that way. <laughs> By doing the thing that we've never done <laughs> before and we'll probably never do again. Dear Rachel, you're going to meet Sally Lloyd-Jones by writing a song with her. I know. With the most talented musicians you've ever spent time it's with. It's so crazy, isn't it's it? It's going to be lovely. Yeah, it was. It was fun. They did a very good job and they let us participate. And pretend to be part of it. <laughs> That's yes. right. It's true. No, we did. We did do things. Yes, we, we did. So for those of you listening who don't know, and I can't imagine you do know, Amanda and I had the opportunity to gather with Nashville and non-Nashville authors and then songwriters. And we all got together for a couple weeks in a row and wrote songs, which is exactly what I don't have experience doing. But my first songwriting session was with Sally. Yes, it was wonderful. And we just sat down and got to know each other by talking about passages of scripture that we'd been... About Esther, wasn't it? We talked about Esther. Yeah. It was really, really great. And it was so great. And we were with Krista Wells, yes, who is so talented. And Thank heavens for her, because I don't know what we would have come <laughs> I up know. with. We would have just sat on that sofa and talked <laughs> and just nerded out over the goodness yeah. of God, but then she was just kind of at the piano humming and putting music to our words, it and lovely. it was a really cool way to write a song. I know. I, I still really like it. I mean, who knows? I maybe. might be biased. And so for those of you listening wondering, like, will this ever see the light of day? Maybe. Maybe, or only in our hearts. Only in our hearts, <laughs> but it'll be, if it is released, it'll be released next March. Yeah. You have to wait a year, yeah. because that is how the publishing world works. And then we wrote together. We did. The, the next day or the next week. The yeah. next week. And I love that week. song too. We did that with Leslie. Leslie Jordan. From all of our sons and grandsons and grandfathers oh. and daughters. <laughs> <and sons. laughs> it, so it, it was so good. And that was The Woman at the Well. Yeah. Ugh, I loved it. One, so guys. two good women we good. had. Yeah. We did. And scripture's that way. It's just full of so many rich stories. It was surprisingly... I'm not going to say it was surprisingly easy to write a song because that's not true. It was surprisingly easy to walk into a room with a couple of people you'd never mm-hmm. met and just open God's word to a story and just read it together and delight in it together and just be in awe of who God is and the way that Jesus walked through the world. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was just such a surprise and a delight. I was thinking afterwards, what made it so easy? I wonder if it was because none of us were owning 
Yeah. It wasn't me saying, now I have a song that I would like you two to help me with. Right. Yeah. We were all of us yeah, together so. even. It was like we had a treasure map and we yeah. were just, there, there was going to be a song at the end of it if we did it right. <laughs> but we just kind of had to eat kind of adding our clues, adding our ideas and our words and that was fun. It was it fun. It was fun. I don't know, though, Sally, I feel like it surprised me a little that you felt like that was so foreign to you as well, because I feel like the way that you write is lyrical. Yeah. There's like a cadence and I, yes, a rhythm. I, I think once I calmed down, I thought, oh, it's listening for those beautiful phrases. So mm-hmm. it, I, I sort of calmed down after trying way too hard. <laughs> but of course, my first songwriting experience was with none other than Amy Grant. That's right. So, of course, I was trying way too hard because I'm like, why am I in this room? What <laughs> tips am I going to give her? Yeah. So yeah. I was trying way too hard at that point. But once I calmed down, I realized, oh, I have to wait to hear the phrase that moves me, which is mm-hmm. what I do with all my writing. I have to be moved so that then the reader is moved. Okay, so we would be nuts to, Sally, have you here with us on the microphone. For those of you who don't know, and I'm sure... You've heard in the introduction, but Sally gave the world the Jesus Storybook Bible, the sweet little book that really introduced the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus to my children. Mm -hmm. And I think of probably a lot of your children. And so it would be crazy to have you here, Sally, and not ask you to just read some of it to us because I can hear myself read it, but there's nothing like hearing your voice reading these words. Will you read for us? Oh, well, I would be honored. I love to read. I would love that. So I'm going to read The Servant King, which is the story of the Last Supper from Mark 14 and John 13 to 14. It was Passover, the time when God's people remembered how God had rescued them from being slaves in Egypt. Every year, they killed a lamb and ate it. The lamb died instead of us, they would say. But this Passover, God was getting ready for an even greater rescue. Jesus and his friends were having the Passover meal together in an upstairs room. But Jesus' friends were arguing. What about? They were arguing about stinky feet. Stinky feet? Yes, that's right. Stinky feet. Now, the thing about feet back then was that people didn't wear shoes. They only wore sandals, which might not sound unusual, except that the streets in those days were dirty. And I don't mean just dusty dirty, I mean really stinky dirty. With all those cows and horses and everywhere, you can imagine the stuff on the street that ended up on their feet. So anyway, someone had to wash away the dirt, but it was a dreadful job. Who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do it? (laughs) Only the lowliest servant. I'm not the servant, Peter said. Nor am I, said Matthew. Quietly, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, picked up a basin of water, knelt down, and started to wash his friend's feet. You can't, Peter said. He didn't understand about Jesus being the servant king. If you don't let me wash away the dirt, Peter, Jesus said, you can't be close to me. Jesus knew that what people needed most was to be clean on the inside. All the dirt on their feet was nothing compared to the sin inside their hearts. Then wash me, Lord, Peter said, tears filling his eyes. All of me. One by one, Jesus washed everyone's feet. I am doing this because I love you, Jesus explained. Do this for each other. Now one of Jesus' friends had made a bad plan. No one else knew what the bad plan was, but Jesus knew. And so did Judas. Judas was going to help the leaders capture Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Go on, Judas, Jesus said. And Judas got up from the meal, left the room, and walked out into the night. Then Jesus picked up some bread and broke it. He gave it to his friends. He picked up a cup of wine and thanked God for it. He poured it out and shared it. My body is like this bread. It will break, Jesus told them. This cup of wine is like my blood. It will pour out. But this is how God will rescue the whole world. My life will break and God's broken world will mend. My heart will tear apart 
and your hearts will heal. Just as the Passover lamb died, so now I will die instead of you. My blood will wash away all of your sins and you'll be clean on the inside, in your hearts. So whenever you eat and drink, remember, Jesus said, I've rescued you. Jesus knew it was nearly time for him to leave the world and to go back to God. I won't be with you long, he said. You're going to be very sad. But God's helper will come, and then you'll be filled up with a forever happiness that won't ever leave. So don't be afraid. You are my friends, and I love you. Then they sang their favorite song and walked up to their favorite place, an olive garden. Oh, Sally. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's just so beautiful and so profound, yet simple enough for my kids Mm. to hear it. And what's amazing to me, Sally, is the way that you communicate truths that I have been working my whole life to understand. And I feel like those are the things that are really difficult to say Mm -hmm. to kids. Like if, if Rachel and I were having a conversation about like, what is sin? And like, really, what is that? We could talk about that. And that wouldn't be a struggle. If my children ask me, mm-hmm. then suddenly I feel like I don't know. I <laughs> yes. I don't know how to tell you. We this. get deer in headlights. Yeah, kind of. it mm-hmm. is. And I don't know if it's that. It's not that I don't want to answer that honestly. But it's just like, well, suddenly I feel like, well, maybe I don't know what it is, you know, because it's so yes. hard to put things in to simplify mm-hmm. and really get to like the heart of mm-hmm. the matter. And that's just what you've done, like story after story in scripture. And I feel like every single time it's just like bullseye, bullseye. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how does she do it? Well, I knew early on because I wrote this book really for unbelievers as how I thought of it, because any child, even if they're in a Christian home, they may not really understand anything about how God loves them. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and I got it all wrong. You know, Jesus was my best friend, but I still thought that God was not so great about being pleased with me. I thought I was doing it wrong so he couldn't love me. Mm -hmm. So what I thought early on with this book was, how am I going to reach that child that has never come to church, doesn't know anything And being in New York at Redeemer, hearing Tim Keller preach was an amazing training because his preaching is always about the person who comes to Redeemer who's never been to church. He doesn't use any jargon, but he finds ways to describe what they are in fresh ways. So I got trained to think, okay, when I'm writing this for children, what is sin? Okay, it could be poison that makes your heart sick because Mm -hmm. it's a lie you believe that God doesn't love you. Mm Or it could be running away and hiding in the dark. And Mm -hmm. both of those are from Genesis, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Genesis, we see people, Adam and Eve, running away from God and hiding in the dark. We also see Eve not really believing God and taking charge of her own happiness, which basically the root of that is God doesn't love me. It's shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking those are two things I could use throughout the book. And I just made sure... You know, and then the clean and God's forever happiness. We lose that when we're in sin. Mm -hmm. And then I started to use the word sin later as I'd started to introduce them. Yeah. So you just have to find a metaphor. I think metaphor is so helpful when you're dealing with children. And and adults. I mean, you think about how Jesus used parables to teach about the kingdom. It's very helpful and accessible and sometimes can make uh, really complicated things plain. And I think one of the things I've realized is Children need something to see. Yeah. So when I was doing my devotional book, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, which is the follow-up to the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've got it. We you love get it. That. Yeah. <laughs> so Jago, the illustrator, said, would you just tell me when you've written one entry what you thought of for the illustration? And I don't really like to do that except if the artist asks me. Yeah. Because usually I'm like, you do what you do best. I'm not going to inhibit you. But he asked me, so I would write little notes. And there was this one entry I wrote that I was really thrilled with. I was thinking oh this is really nice mm-hmm. I'm really <laughs> pleased with this and then I came to do the illustration note and I couldn't think of a single thing that mm. would go with that and then I knew it was completely abstract so I had oh, to throw it out Oh, yeah so oh, it's actually a very good tip I would share is for anyone who's wondering I found that helpful always give children something to see 
Oh, that's very helpful. So poison that, that makes your heart sick, you can see that. Yeah. Running away and hiding in the dark versus vague, abstract. Transgression. No. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. even missing the mark yeah. is a bit hard for them because what, what does, does that, that mean? Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of we recently watched our friend Sissy Goff. She was explaining some ways to talk to your kids about natural disasters. You know, mm-hmm. there was a tornado in Nashville and she talked about the worry monster. Yeah. And she has a book on this, but I haven't read it. And this was so illuminating to me to be like, oh, like even as an adult, because she was like, what does your worry monster, what is he saying? Like, what does he want you to believe? What is he like kind of chasing you down mm-hmm. with? I'm like, oh, like that helps so much for me to know. So yeah, to be able to like picture a thing and name it. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we grown ups can get really tripped up on accuracy, yeah. which mm. accuracy is good. It's mm-hmm. not bad, but there's truth. Like I would look at the Jesus Storybook Bible and, you know, it's not a full, you know, official translation of the Bible. No, it's not but, a translation at all. Right, right. right. But God's truth is represented mm-hmm. in those pages. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you've given us permission to talk to our kids about God's love in ways that are faithful to mm-hmm. scripture, yeah. but are in imagery and terms that mean something to well, them. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And as adults, we know what has helped us. Mm-hmm. When we've been encouraged, someone hasn't come to us with a great hose full of theology. Yeah. That doesn't help us. Mm-hmm. They'll come with one facet of God's truth That's that true. speaks to our heart. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is with children, if you can give them one truth... That's huge. Yeah. So I think maybe our worry monsters or our perfectionistic monsters or whoever in our head is making us not trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably is a little bit like you've got to get it all right or don't do it at all. Well, that's not true. You've got to just share one thing and keep it really simple. And it might just be very, very small. And this is why I was so excited that you were able to join us for the Lent series Mm. because we've been talking big ideas and, you know, really talking about sin from, you know, what does scripture say? And then what do, what does the church, all the things we've been really looking hard, <laughs> which is wonderful, which is so wonderful. We need that. And, don't we? and I'm grateful that you're here because it's easier to talk to adults about this type of thing, but many of us have children or love children and have nieces or nephews or whatever it is. And when we are talking about Lent in our big, heady ways, I think it's easier and then it's harder to talk to our kids about it. But I don't want my kids to grow up being introduced to Lent as adults. I want to know how to introduce my kids to Lent as kids on their level, like you were saying. And so it helps me to hear, you know, different ways to talk about sin with my kids and that kind of thing. But you, Sally, actually, you've created a little bit of like a reading plan for yes. kids for Lent. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so talk to us about that. Which sounds so brilliant, like I planned it. Yeah. But I didn't. And I just think, well, someone knew what they were doing. and It wasn't me. But (laughs) there are exactly the right number of stories to lead you from the very beginning of the book to the Easter story. Mm -hmm. In in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. And so what I love about that is to celebrate Lent, you're always talking about the coming rescuer. It's all about celebrating our great rescue. So I think of Lent, you know, I think you can think of Lent as children if I was imagining children, they could easily think it's all about rules. Mm -hmm. It could all be very shaming to them. Mm -hmm. You're meant to give this up. You're meant to take that up. You're meant to not do this or that, which would be really sad because for a child, they're given rules all the time. They don't need more rules. They need to fall in love with their rescuer and know that there's hope. Even if you break the rules, there's a God who loves you and will draw you back and give you the ability to live the way he wants you to but you have to start with relationship and love so I love the idea that you're leading them to Easter by showing them God's amazing magnificent dream from the very beginning to rescue his children and I didn't know this when we picked which week to have you join us but you told me when you came today how perfectly situated (laughs) you are in the book of Jeremiah yes not just for okay so talk to us about that so this is a very old-fashioned thing but when I was at school one of the bible teachers would say to us do you know God's telephone number and we'd be like no we don't know telephone (laughs) (laughs) and it's Jeremiah 333 
which to any child means nothing at all now, does it? But but it's an easy way to remember it, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because it says, if you call Jeremiah 33.3, you will get, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. I just love that. Mm -hmm. So it's a reminder that maybe that's a verse for children throughout Lent, that God has a telephone number and he's told us to call him. And if we call him, he's going to tell us amazing things. That is so sweet. <laughs> I'm so sweet. It's so old fashioned. You, might, you yeah. might have to show them a really ancient film where they say <laughs> Reading 333, yeah. that they get the reason. But yes. it's kind of sweet. But even just that, even just saying that it is a, something that you have learned. And so what challenges me is to think, okay, I'm not going to talk to my kids about God the way that Sally would. And I probably shouldn't. Like, I'm their mom. No, I right. can speak to them in a different way. But it is an art that you have honed over time. And it's so profound in ways, like as adults, you know, and Rachel, you're talking about, we can talk about Lent or Jeremiah in our kind of like theologically nerdy ways and <laughs> like digging into different passages and how they link to other passages in scripture and all that's Which beautiful so and fun. And I love that. But in that effort, a lot of times, like what I really need to hear is that I can call God <laughs> and he will answer and tell me amazing things. Amen. Like <laughs> I, it's, it feels like we spend a little bit too much time on one end well, of I the think, spectrum or the other. I think what's so beautiful is I could never in a million years do what you're doing. And I'm so grateful to realize, because when you're younger, you think you're supposed to be able to do everything. At least I did. I thought I was supposed to be good at Bible study leading and, you know, and it was so stressful because I wasn't, that wasn't my thing. Yeah, I think a lot of us still struggle with that. Yeah, you're right. We think, especially as believers, that somehow God wants us to be good at everything. And it's so freeing to think, no, I only have to do what he's given me to do and do it with excellence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my job is a narrow thing, a niche to reach children. Mm -hmm. But what you guys do, I could never do. So I'm really glad. It's like we're all deployed in these different areas of expertise and we just have to be excellent at what he's given us to do. Do our long obedience in the same direction. Oh man. I love that. I love that. Well, so this actually happened. So you guys know last week we had Lisa Harper as a guest and this week we have Sally Mm. and they literally crossed in the hall so that we uh, recorded with Lisa this morning and we had this sweet little (laughs) overlap of time where we all got to jump up and down when Sally walked in Lisa literally picked her up and swung her around in a circle she's very strong she's very strong (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so that was a real joy but last week or you know earlier today we talked with Lisa about because we had the book of comforts in front of us Mm. and we kind of worked our way through some really tough parts of the story of Jeremiah and the exile and then kind of sat in you know the introduction of the new covenant and we got to go like oh like our sin is inscribed in our hearts but the Lord is gonna Mm. uh, write his name on our hearts that's so beautiful and and it's so beautiful and as we were talking about that we kind of rolled back out of it to say like and that wasn't the end of the story there was mm. more rebellion and, and the Lord continued to be with them. And so we're kind of rolling out right now, this week, out of the Book of Comforts into, you know, they're in exile. And so that's kind of where we sit, you know, as our listeners are sitting on Monday looking ahead to another week in Jeremiah. It's just interesting to step into this. And we know that the Book of Jeremiah is not chronological and that it's really a, quite an anthology. But it was interesting to me to kind of come out of that and go, all right, it was really fun to talk about the book of comfort, but now what's next, Mm. you know, and to continue to make our way through this book. I really love the, on today's reading, the Monday reading where we read Jeremiah 33 and 34, I drew a heart around them. I love them so much. The supplemental passages, they're short for this day, but one is Psalm 107, which is one of my most favorite psalms. I also in have scripture. a heart in my margin next to this. <laughs> Do you? We spend a lot of time together, Rachel. I love Psalm 107, but listen to this, and I'm thinking now about Jeremiah 333, mm-hmm. but listen to Psalm 107, 19 through 22. Then they cried out mm-hmm. to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. 
let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Mm. And that whole psalm is, you know, there's a lot of imagery that they're, you know, on the sea and it's turbulent, but he leaves them to a, a safe place where they can settle is mm. kind of like the That's refrain that happens. It? And it is, it is so beautiful. But then also the supplemental passage for the day is Romans eight sixteen through 17. And 16 says, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Mm. And if children also heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And I was rereading this today, knowing that we were going to sit down with you. And I just, I wrote children in my margin, but I thought SLJ, (laughs) Sailor Jones, because you remind not just children that they are Mm. God's children, but you remind adults that we are God's children. And it's lovely to me that you can read that passage from a storybook Bible written for children And that I can see all through that story, I can hear echoes of this very long book from the Old Testament, Mm. Jeremiah, that we've been reading through for weeks now, where, you know, there are all these echoes of like, Jesus is coming, Mm. you know, your rescuer is coming. Mm. It's remarkable to me, the connections. And that's the, it's the drum we beat every single week Mm -hmm. that like scripture kind of, you know, speaks to itself and interprets itself. But mm. it's additionally remarkable to me that the Jesus Storybook Bible in the She Reads Truth Lent study yes. of the book of Jeremiah, that mm. that same weaving is mm. happening. That's and amazing. we are not doing that. On, no. You know, that's just no. like... It's beautiful, it, isn't it? Yeah. And if we had eyes to see even a fraction of the way the Lord works that way. And it's such a beautiful story. And what you said about reaching the child in the adult, mm-hmm. whenever I read or speak... And it's often mostly to parents. It's Mm -hmm. not really to children, although I call children my favorite. But (laughs) when I read to, when I speak, the time that you would hear a pin drop is always when I read. And I think it's because as, you know, we know the Bible is an oral tradition. There's something in us that Mm -hmm. needs to be read to. But as we get older and we think we've grown out of all that, when you read to an adult, it's like quite poignant because Mm -hmm. I think it does settle us down and we become children of our heavenly father and the bible is filled with lyrical language Mm -hmm. because we are his children no matter how big we get Mm -hmm. and i suppose that would be another thing i might say is when you're you know reaching children with complex truths literally get on the ground with them be on the same level with them and don't necessarily feel like you're the big teacher and they're going to learn because you might well find it's the other way around that's so true (laughs) And what sometimes what I love is just to read a story together and then wonder out loud mm-hmm. at how amazing is this God and ask open-ended questions like, I wonder what would it mean if I gave, like with the little boy and his lunch, instead of saying, well, now this means we must be very generous when we go to school and share our lunches, as if that's what the story's about. We've or, missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> we could say, that little boy gave Jesus everything. I wonder what would happen if I gave Jesus everything. Mm-hmm. And I just love the idea that like what you're doing every single podcast, you're wondering out loud at this incredible story we're part of. Mm -hmm. And I think you can do the same thing with children and they might actually teach us quite a lot. Hey friends, Hannah here. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about one of our all-time favorite products, the She Reads Truth Bible. Each Bible features artwork, key verses, timelines, reading plans, and more. Our heart for the She Reads Truth Bible is not to add or to improve on the perfect and complete gift of Scripture that God has given us. Rather, our heart is for everything we've included in this Bible to point back to God and His Word. Because we always love to give our podcast listeners a special deal, we're giving you 20% off all Bibles when you use the code PODCAST20. So head on over to shopshereadstruth.com to purchase. So moving on to the next day, as you're talking about reading aloud, Sally, Mm. in Jeremiah 36, there's Jeremiah's scribe. His name is Baruch, and he is the one who's tasked with writing down everything Jeremiah has said, (laughs) which is a rather tall order. But it says that in verse 4, So Jeremiah summoned Baruch, son of Neriah. At Jeremiah's dictation, Baruch wrote on a scroll all the words the Lord had spoken to Jeremiah. 
which is a tall order. And then later, if you fast forward in verse 15, he's now in front of a crowd of people, including some of the king's officials. And they say to him, sit down and read it in our hearing. And so they tell him to sit down and read it word for word. So he does. And what strikes me here and what reminded me of this, Sally, as you were talking, is verse 16, when they had heard all the words, they turned to each other in fear and said to Baruch, we must surely tell the king all these things. And they said, tell us, like, how did you write all these words at his dictation? And he's like, yes, at his dictation. So what ends up happening is the king burns the scroll and then Baruch has to write them all down again. And, but and when what, we say the scroll, we're talking the book of Jeremiah. The book of oh. Jeremiah. And he has to write it again. Yeah. Wow. Just, you're gonna me- start, I'm going to start over now. <laughs> but the point I'm getting to, I mean, there's, you know, I'm not going to pretend to understand all the ins and outs of what's happening in this passages. But what strikes me is the power of being read to aloud. Mm-hmm. And here they are sitting under the reading of the word of the Lord Mm -hmm. and the fear that it brings, because I think they realize what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, well, we've got to tell the King. And then somehow they think that by burning it, (laughs) that that's going to solve the problem. I don't know, but it just, there are so many places in the book of Jeremiah where the importance of the word of the Lord, like scripture, but also like the, you know, the words from the mouth of the Lord, like listening, all of that. And so I feel like there is a theme here for sure of mm-hmm. just, I love to read scripture aloud. Yes. And so why not regularly read scripture mm-hmm. to and over my children yeah. and in our homes and then use resources like the ones that you've created where we can read in other creative ways, those mm-hmm. same truths yes. and just the power of like sitting under those. I mean, I have many adult friends who read the Jesus Storybook Bible as a habit, as part of their like daily devotional life, well, I think you maybe know, alongside yeah. scripture. Well, I think, you know, as we said, it's not a translation. It's a power. Right. It's like not even a paraphrase. It's just a retelling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very distilled down. But I think the advantage of that is it captures the plot line of the Bible, yeah. mm-hmm. which is what you guys are always about. And if you lose Biblical the plot, literacy, right. Yeah. If, if you lose the plot line, mm-hmm. then every story you read could be about you. Yeah. But if you know it's always going to be about the rescuer, then you never feel despair because when it's shown that once again, God's people mess up, they say, yes, yes, we're going to do it right. We promise. And then again, of course, they don't. It gives us hope because we're doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. And God isn't surprised. That's why he had to send the rescuer. So I feel it kind of... The training that is coming for children as they read this and they're looking for Jesus in every story, Sally, we take it for granted it's so sweet. And so even in, you know, as adults, we look at Jeremiah yes. and we, we are reminded to look for Jesus. And don't you find if you hear a sermon and there's no mention of Jesus, you're like, oh no, I miss him. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get, yeah. So it's such a blessing that we have this mm-hmm. perspective that, you know, we've yeah. been blessed by people who've studied and I feel so grateful because it's changed everything. Yeah. Right. Or if you hear a sermon and there's no scripture read. Yes. I'm like, what are we, what are, where, uh, where is our tether? That, right. What are we, you, right. you're training us to think in terms of imagery right now, because when you were saying plot line, like I just have this image of like, we need to be able to hold on yes. to this thread that runs through scripture. And it's really easy to get caught up in the details and all the names and all the, yes. you know, the, in there, in that's and good. there's so much value there, right? right. Yeah. So we need it all, don't we? Need we? It. Yeah. It's so rich, but we have to at the same time have like a layered understanding where we also are, you know, we're zoomed out and we can see like where we're going yeah. and holding the thread and the thread that leads to Jesus, yeah, through every single well, it's story. Back to music again, it's like we need everything we need Bach, we mm-hmm. need Mozart, we need you know, Tolkien, mm-hmm. yeah. C.S. Lewis, yeah. Martin Lloyd Jones, mm-hmm. all these people, J.I. Packer. Mm-hmm. She reads truth. We need everything that will reach us because we're all very different. So I always feel like the more variety, the more people will be reached. And yeah. I love that. You know, and something that I learned about you when we first spent time together, and I, it makes sense of all the 
everything I knew of you before we did and Mm -hmm. everything I've learned after. Sally, something that's so beautiful about you is your heart for the unreached, for non-believers, and that you, like, that's where you reach, that's where you go, that you wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible for Mm non-believers, and that you, I mean, even as we were writing that song, like, we talked so much about, like, going further than we're comfortable going where mm-hmm. there are people who need Jesus, mm-hmm. which is everywhere, yeah. <laughs> to be clear. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I'm grateful for that in you. And that's also what we see in Jeremiah. He mm-hmm. is going to where the people need Jesus. And he's saying so. He's saying you need Jesus. And it makes people uncomfortable. And they burn the scrolls or they beat him or they kill other prophets. Like it says in 28, take another scroll and once again, write on it the original words that were on the original scroll that King Jehoiakim of Judah had burned. And then in verse 32, it says, then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, son of Neriah, the scribe. And he wrote on it at Jeremiah's dictation, all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, Judah's king, had burned in the fire and many other words like them were added. Dun, dun, so dun. it's like this like double down of like, <laughs> wow. all right, the Lord's plan is not thwarted, first of all. And like, this is true and important and to be included and to exist. I just think that's incredible. In Jeremiah's case, as a prophet, he, I think Lisa was saying that he wasn't very popular, which is true. You know, there were a lot of closed ears. His words fell on a lot of closed ears. And he kept going. And he kept going. That's amazing. And that's the thing, that it's just obedience. It's not... Yeah. Result, because it's we all, don't always no. see the result. It's when almost we, none of our business. When we see fruit, what a joy. But that's oh, yes. not... Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a seed. And again, with children, yeah, I always encourage parents and, you know, you may read a story. This is really to sort of encourage people to feel, if you choose the right book, you can just trust the story. Right. You don't have to read the story and then have some kind of lesson at the end. Mm. Because the <laughs> trouble with that is you kill the story mm-hmm. and the child loses interest. I don't want to go back to that. No, it yeah. becomes a lesson. Mm-hmm. But if you trust the story, I think of it like you're planting a seed Mm -hmm. and a seed will be in the ground a long time before you see anything. You may never see anything, but the seed's in there and it's growing and it's really between God and the child what's happening. It's Mm -hmm. actually none of our business. Mm -hmm. Our business is tell the truth, Mm -hmm. share the right stories and then let God do the rest because children can hear from their heavenly father and he can speak to them. But if we get messing up in there we're going to kill the seed Mm -hmm. because we'll make it all about us and a lesson and who wants that we've made it complicated i mean adults don't want that when you go and have a quiet time you don't want someone with a ruler yeah teaching you a thing or two you want you go to a quiet time you want to sit at the feet of jesus and be filled up ready for the day Mm -hmm. your eyes lifted hope Mm -hmm. but we forget that sometimes with children i think so let's go back Sally, to the selection that you read for Mm. us. What's it called? Well, now there's a story because right now it's called The Servant King. Yeah. But when I first wrote it, I called it Stinky Feet. Oh, I like that. You know, I like to keep it light. Yeah. And I know children and I know children would love Stinky Feet. And memorable. Yes. And it is about Stinky Feet. But anyway, the publisher thought that wasn't very reverent and we needed (laughs) to have something else. So, I mean, I, I trust them. So I said, okay, Servant King, which is lovely. But what's so funny is any time a child asks for that story, and I'm sure your listeners will probably, uh, this Agreed. will be true, yeah. they ask for stinky feet, the stinky so, feet story. So it just goes to prove a story sometimes knows better than the publisher. It's that's like there. <laughs> the same goes for songs. You know, songs that are titled something that's not the part that's repeated in the yes. chorus, mm-hmm. you know? So like, yeah. you know, our Toby's favorite song or one of them is Lauren Daigle's Still Rolling Stones. But clearly he calls that song Rise Up because that's what she says over really, and over really again. Yeah. He's right, isn't right. he? He's yeah. right. The appropriate yeah. title is Rise Up. Is Stinky up. Feet. Yes. So stinky Feet. going back to yes. Stinky Feet. Yes. I love that. I'm going to call it Stinky Feet now. (laughs) Going back to Stinky Feet, when you read that to kids, Mm -hmm. what kind of a response do you get? Like, how do they eat that up? Well, the thing I know is, and this is true, I know other people in other disciplines know this. If you can get someone laughing, you've won them over. Mm -hmm. And laughter, you know, just among friends will take away all the defenses, right? So I make them laugh and then I go in for the kill. That's so, girl. so, you know, you want them to be laughing and enjoying it. And the fighting disciples, they really like that. Because, Sally the killer. <laughs> <laughs> because seeing grown-ups fighting over such it's a silly. petty thing, I think children love that. But, you know, one of the things 
when I go into schools or libraries or churches or whatever and ask children which of the stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible is your favourite and which would you like me to read to you, do you know the one they, they mostly ask for? The crucifixion. And my first knee-jerk reaction when I was first asked that, in a, I wanted to say, no, 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 we need something much more fun like Noah. Much more silly. I know. Yeah. And then I fortunately stopped myself because I realized children cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. Adults yeah. are all about, no, no, we need to entertain children, which is completely wrong. Children know what the crux of the matter is, mm. and they knew that that's the most important, meaningful story to them. And they wanted it read. So I was really humbled by that. Children constantly surprise you, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time, Sally, but I remember when my 13-year-old son was five and sitting on his bed with him reading the crucifixion story. And I looked up and he had tears rolling down his face and his eyes were closed and his hands were in the air. And he was giving his sins to Jesus. Like, that's how he explained it to me. And it's such a like, well, no, he's too young to understand that, you know, but like, Mm. that was his spirit responding to the truth of Christ's love for him. And it was the first time that I watched him encounter Jesus. Wow, that's so beautiful. And he just threw his hands up and just like, yeah, they're all yours. My sin is, I want to give it to you. And isn't that, you know, when we hear something like that, it moves us and we're preached to, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. I heard of a little child who, when they came to the crucifixion story, just was weeping. Like, how could we do this? Why did we make, yeah. you know, what's this, a boo-boo, what's this? Why did we kill him? Mm-hmm. And when she realized it was sin and that she was sinful, she was just weeping. But then the mother kept saying, no, no, it's all right. We're going to read the next story. <laughs> because <laughs> she couldn't, the page, leave, the couldn't leave the child in that terrible... You know, and then you, and he didn't leave us in that terrible. No. But to see a child react so purely, it really does minister to our hearts, and that's where children lead us and teach us, and that's that childlike faith mm-hmm. yeah. that we're called to. And I think that's why we want to always give children a chance to teach us, because we don't want to get so grown up that we lose that childlike wonder. Well, and the story is new to them, and the yes. story may not be new to us, but to see the response of a human to whom the story is new, matters. And there's so much value there. Man, I love that. The rescue story that we're part of is so beautiful. You could never in a million years make it up. None of it would be what you'd put in a novel. Right. You'd never write a novel where you're the main characters and, you know, in the Gospels and you're the idiots. Right. You would never, would you? If you wanted to make a movement last... You wouldn't make yourself look idiotic and stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look as broken as we really are. Yeah. So I love, I love the way the Bible proves itself over and over mm. in all different ways. Yeah. And I've heard Tim say, you know, to believe, you know, like the feeding of the 5,000, it talks about the green grass. Well, that type of writing, if you were to believe that the Bible was just made up, if it was just a story someone made up, you'd have to believe that Virginia Woolf was prefigured yeah. thousands of years before and then suddenly literature just disappeared until Virginia, you know, it's yeah. nonsense. You can't. Just on that level as literature, it doesn't make sense. It has to be eyewitness. Yeah. I love things like that. Oh. That's probably way off the topic. No, no it's good. it's right on. I told you, just bullseye, <laughs> Sally. Bullseye every day. She needs one more word in her name, and it's Sally Bullseye. Bullseye. Lloyd-Jones. <laughs> I like that. Rachel, when you say, like, our instinct, and I think you're right. I'm sad that you're right, but I think you're right that when you see like I'm picturing five-year-old Oliver, which Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. almost brings tears to my eyes. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep going. But, you know, when you think like, but you're too young, like, oh, I don't want to like, have I manipulated you into this or whatever, you know, but Jesus says like, unless you become like little children, how dare we look Mm -hmm. at our children or any children, Mm -hmm. the children that we're teaching, that we're interacting with, that we go to church with, that are in our communities and think that they aren't capable of having a relationship with their creator mm. or that their creator is too busy mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. or can't be bothered to have a relationship we with them. Like, like those disciples, right. we keep yeah. them. We keep from... them away. Well, he's busy doing, mm-hmm. doing yeah. other, and other yet, things. He dignifies children so much, yeah. doesn't he? I love that. Right. Okay, girls. So, you know, the next part of this episode is sort of a favorite of mine. We're going to transition from talking about Lent, talking about 
children inland and how to talk to children and even Jeremiah. And this is our chance to respond, for our listeners to respond, for us to respond. And so let's lead our listeners and each other into a confession of sin for the Lenten season. And then, Sally, if I read the confession of sin from Mm -hmm. the Book of Common Prayer, will you take us out with an assurance of pardon from Scripture? I would love to. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay. So here is our confession of sin, friends. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Assurance of Pardon But when the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Guys, Let's talk beauty, goodness, and truth. We opened our Bibles and we talked about the beauty, goodness, and truth we found there today. But where are you seeing it in your everyday life? Sally, where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and truth? I think in friendship. I've been thinking, you know, after the tornado and Mm -hmm. all the loss. And, you know, like Fred Rogers said, you look for the helpers Mm -hmm. in the tragedies Mm -hmm. and all the people loving each other and their neighbors and just being personally grateful for friendships in my life. Yeah, Sally, you were here with us in Nashville during the tornado. Unfortunately, I heard sirens, but because I live in New York City, I just kept sleeping because that's very normal in New York City. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so when I woke up the next day and my friend told me what had happened, I was completely shocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so, and Nashville has a special place in my heart because I have so many dear friends here. Yeah. Including you guys. Well, come anytime, Sally. I would love to. I think everybody wants Sally to be their house guest. Oh, Come and uh stay at our house, Sally. Thank you. What about you, Amanda? Okay, it's it's very deep. Not quite as deep as Sally's. But I have a new hair tool that I really like. (laughs) Oh, this is a good tool, you guys. She's been having her best hair days yet. Really? I can't take credit for it because our friend Ruth Jo Simons told me about it. Do you remember, Sally, the... Ruth's yes, beautiful, Ruth. flowing, yes. curly and locks. now you have it, I realize. Well, <laughs> allow me to... It's a little smushed down by the headphones at the moment. It's but not in its full glory, no, but no. I see evidence. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's a bedhead, like it's like a wave maker or something. We'll link Maybe to it in the show notes. Maybe wave runner, but that sounds like a jet ski. So I don't know if that that's sounds fun. Yeah. I don't know. Is it hard to do? No. I mean, it's a little awkward maybe at first just because it's a strange tool. It just kind of makes like this wave motion and it's very pronounced. So you have to kind of calm it down a little bit. Everybody settle down now. Yeah, but it's fun because I have naturally curly hair that I normally don't attempt to embrace because it it ends up being harder to make the curls look good than it is to just get rid of them. Which is kind of sad. And so it's been fun because it's been fun to actually wear curly hair and know that like, oh, this is more my normal self. But I feel better about it because the wave maker slash runner, I don't know what it is. It makes, it's like me, but better. <laughs> we sat, Now we sound like an info. I know. And you can go to your phone. This is my so. beauty, goodness, and truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, and that's the thing, like Ruth told it's us lovely. about it. And I think we all were like on Amazon going like, this could be at my house tomorrow for $16. <laughs> Rachel, Ellie Holcomb, and I all ordered it at the lunch table yeah. with Ruth. And then oh. the next day kind of like exchanged photos from our bathroom mirrors of like, well, we didn't do it right this time, but maybe next time. Time. So wow. is it supposed to look like this? Because <laughs> it can fun. really get out there. It's, oh, it's yeah, but it's fun. So yeah. we'll put it. We'll link it Love in the show that. notes, guys. She reads truth.com slash podcast. <laughs> I'm, trying, right, to Rachel, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. My um, hair is my hair. Your beauty, goodness, and truth. <laughs> I hate to double down on tender Oliver stories. I think I speak for us when I say, please do. Well, yes, go ahead. Do. When you were talking about reading scripture out loud or reading stories out loud, I went through a season with Ollie maybe a year ago where he just needed, he needed more and he needed a real investment from me and he needed the word. And I remember for a couple of weeks in a row, instead of, you know, he has like a little Amazon echo in his room. And so sometimes we'll just 
play music in his room to wake him up. That's his alarm clock. But for a week or two in a row, I would in the morning go up to his room and just sit at the foot of his bed and read a psalm until he woke up. Like I would just kind of read Mm. scripture at at the foot of his bed and he would kind of awaken and start his day to the sound of his mom reading scripture. That's beautiful. And it was what he needed in that season. I don't think he always needs that from me. And when you talked about that, Sally, it reminded me how sweet and important that was for him. He's very into nature. And so I would try to find the most like nature rich Psalms and even like Job to kind of read about the sea monsters and Leviathan and all the things. And so it was just sweet. It's sweet to remember that. And it makes me want that again with him. That's lovely. Well, I got into the whole podcast without crying, and then you tell that. <laughs> do you story. wish somebody? Do you wish that you had that instead of an alarm clock? There would be someone that I loved would like you. For you to drive to my house, it's <laughs> only ten minutes away. Mm-hmm. Someone that loved you, sitting on your bed and just reading scripture until you no, wake up. I could ask oh. Toby's nurse to do that. If we have a night nurse, I could say, "Listen, this is before the, you leave. This is the family routine. Join us <laughs> at six thirty. I'd like for you to sneak into our room. You know, there's probably a way to do it on an iPhone. I mean, that's there? true. That's oh. true." Oh, Rachel, you can call my You could phone. have David Suchet read to you. Yeah. Because you know, Dave, this is a tip. Okay. NIV UK yeah. is David Suchet. Okay. And yeah. if anyone doesn't know who he is, try him out. He's amazing. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm in. Well, can we link that, I bet? Um, We're yeah. going to sure try. I, I always have him read scripture to oh, me. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay, girls. This was incredible. Sally, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so much I fun. Can't it went so fast. You joined us and I'm so th- I mean, of course you would. You're so kind. But well, and thank you to all your listeners for listening and having me. Yes. It's a uh, great honor. I thank believe you. you're going to love it. Next week we are rolling into the last week of Jeremiah. Guys, you are almost there. You're doing great. And Russ Ramsey is gonna join us. You guys know and love Russ, a former content director at She Reads Truth and a local pastor that we love. So Read Jeremiah this week, guys. Check in with us as a community. Um, You are not doing this alone. Be women in the Word of God every day and men in the Word of God every day. If you find this podcast encouraging, would you leave a review wherever you're listening, whatever podcast app you're listening in? Just leave a rating and a review. It really helps other people find us so that we can just grow this community of women in the Word of God every day. We're loving these conversations with you. Yep, that's real. So guys, we'll see you again next week. And... Sally, what do we say? Keep opening your Jesus Storybook Bible. (laughs) I mean, sorry, keep opening your Bible. (laughs) 